know because my wife um, is very good with uh, our little boy. And uh, if you don't know, we had a little boy two months yesterday ago. Uh, his name's Judah. Um, if you were here last week, you would have heard me uh, share a little bit about his name. And uh, yeah, I love it. it. There's nothing like it, to be honest. And uh, it's great to be at church tonight, isn't it? Good. It's good to be here. I'm glad there's a few people who are glad to be here. And I know Phil said about the dark nights, but for me, um, this period in church has probably been my favorite in the year. Like, people who know me know I love Christmas anyway. Um, I, I'm crazy about Christmas. Um, but I love the Christmas calendar in terms of our church. I love the events we put on. I love what we do. And let me encourage you to invite people, bring people to what we're doing over Christmas because they are designed with your friends, your family who don't know Jesus yet. They're designed with those people in mind. So uh, you can rest assured that when you bring those people, it's going to be so great to bring them to. So as Phil said, we're in this On Purpose series and I'm going to speak tonight on live, to love. Turn to your neighbor and say, I love you. I love you. Now, now, now some people finding that a little bit awkward. <laughs> I saw. Now, now, turn to your neighbor on your other side and say, you know, who's your second choice? And say, I love you a little bit. I just, I just, I hope no one sat in between the children. That's, uh, that, that would be a little bit awkward. But tonight, we're going to talk about love. And uh, love is um, obviously a huge subject, but a key verse is found in John 13, verse 34 and 35. And it's Jesus speaking, and he says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Pretty strong verse, great verse. We'll just park that for a few minutes. But my, um, I guess my first account of love or experience of love in my own life or what you might call love was when I was 12 years old. You have to know when you're 12 years old, you're going through a lot of change because I'd just gone from primary school to secondary school. And primary school, like all I was bothered about was playing football and trading Pokemon cards. That was all, that was it. That was all I was bothered about, nothing else. And then all of a sudden, like I woke up on one September morning and I'm going to secondary school and all of a sudden I noticed that there's not just guys in my school, there's actually girls as well. And uh, so one girl in particular caught my eye, hello. Uh, Her name was Laura at the time, Um, it still is now. Um, (laughs) And her name's still Laura. Uh, she's not changed it. Um, she's not pulled the Peter on it. Uh, and anyway, Laura caught my eye, and you know, I, I did my bit, you know, to try and woo her, obviously. And, uh, you know, that worked. It, it went well. So, obviously, being the ripe old age of 12, both of us, we were quite mature and uh, ready for a full time relationship. And uh, uh, we went into this thing and, you know, we were together for about a year and probably saw each other out of school probably three times in that year. Um, and that was probably like a dance show with my sisters or something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't what you'd call a, uh, you know, a fruitful relationship. We were really good, though, at texting. <laughs> we were quite good at texting. And even if we were with each other, we wouldn't talk to each other because that would be embarrassing. We'd text and say, hey, how you doing? And that would be pretty much the extent of the conversation. Anyway, one night after school, leaving school, mum and dad pick us up and we went to MacArthur Glen with my sister. Who knows MacArthur Glen? Yeah, MacArthur Glen, great place, yep. 
Uh, especially now they've got, you know, Adidas and Nike there. I, I like to go to MacArthur Glen. And we went to MacArthur Glen, and as you'll know, MacArthur Glen is like one mall that runs all the way through it. And me, um, for whatever reason, I decided to spontaneously start dancing down the middle of the mall. Um, you know, this kind of thing, like giving it a bit of this, like giving it a bit of that, like just making my parents and my sister laugh. Um, some people would say I'm a show-off. I don't agree. <laughs> uh, because they were laughing, obviously, I was doing this more. So I'm going down the mall, I'm doing it, I'm dancing more, I'm jumping higher. And all of a sudden, I get there, I do a bit of a twizzle, and I stop. And I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want the floor to swallow me up. I stop, and who's there but my girlfriend, Laura, right? It's bad enough to just see her anyway. It's awkward enough to be around her anyway. But she's there in front of me, and I've just been pirouetting down MacArthur Glen, like through the middle of MacArthur Glen. To make it even worse, like what you have to understand as a 12-year-old boy, two people you never want to acknowledge are alive are your girlfriend's parents. (laughs) And they were both with her. So they're there trying not to laugh. Her brother's there as well. All I wanted to do like, was run away. I would have rather, like, rather than meet her parents, I would rather have jumped off a building head first. I'm sorry, that was just where it was at at that time. That's where I was. And um, so this awkward moment happened. Fortunately, my parents came up, said a few words to their parents. I mumbled a few words probably and walked off embarrassed. And this really has no bearing on a message tonight. Apart from, that was my first experience of love. Uh, she was the first girl I ever told that I loved her. And now... The, I guess the crux of this thing is this. I think that's how we see love. When we talk about love, what we think about, first of all, would probably be a relationship, yeah? yeah. Relationship between a man and a woman, yeah? yeah? Fair enough to say. I think that is what we would see in the media. That is what we'd experience love as. The first, if I said to you, love, you'd probably think Valentine's Day, relationship between a man and a woman. Secondly, we probably think about the love in family, so love between a father and daughter, love between brother and sister. That's what we probably think about next. And then probably in third place, we would think about love between friends, yeah? I think love between friends probably in our society is like we, we experienced just now. It's a bit hard to tell someone you love, some, love, uh, love them. It like, seems a bit weird. And the way we see love, I think, is fairly airy-fairy. It's this like, uh, this, like wimpy thing, really, this limp-wristed thing, and it's kind of... Oh, yeah, you love them. Oh, that's so nice. Like, oh, that's cute. That's the way we see love. Would I be right in saying that? I think I am. See, to to us, love is a noun. It's just this thing. Love is just, oh, I love you. And that's pretty much where it stays and and where it is. If you put in Amazon, if you want to read about love, you will quickly understand that love is the most written about subject in the world today. People want to know about love. People want to be loved. People want to experience love, whether it be uh, with a companion, whether it be in a relationship, whether it be in a community. People want to be loved. See, I think the thing is, when I come back to this love, the way that the Bible talks about love is very different to what I've just described. See, in the Bible, love is different. Love is less a noun and more a verb. In the Bible, love is less talk and it's more action. In the Bible, love is something I do, regardless of situation and circumstance, I choose love. Love's different in the Bible. And I just want to take a few minutes to just set this up to help us understand why we think of love the way we do and maybe how we can change that. Is that okay? 
So, um, you'll all know that I'm a Greek scholar. Uh, see, people do know they're not laughing. Only my friends are laughing down the front. <laughs> and uh, there, there are four, there's four words that I'm going to pick from tonight um, that represent love. Now, three of them are in the Bible and one's not. But I think the one that's not, it's very important to understand how we understand love. So the first word for love in the Greek is this. It's a, a word called eros. Everyone say eros. Now, eros is love that's based around lust. Eros is where we get our word erotic from. This is the word that's not in the Bible. The, the Bible never uses this word. So when we see love in the Bible, uh, you have to understand that sometimes, because the Greek, it, it breaks it down. Our, so love, for example, in the Bible, one time Jesus could be talking about the love of a friend. One time Jesus could be talking about the love in family. We just get the word love, and it doesn't break it down. Do we understand that? Yeah, sorry, I don't want to kind of... Um, i just rewind a second there. So we've got eros. Our word, our word erotic comes from this love. This is love based on um, me being attracted to you physically. Eros. Now the next word is a word called phileo. I find that quite fun to say, phileo. Phileo. And this is the love between friends. This is, I, I love you because I like you. Like, so my friends, I've got some friends here tonight and... The reason I love you is because we click, because we get on together, because maybe we're interested in the same things. I like you, so I love you. The next word for love is a word called storge. Storge. And this is the love between family. So you were born into this love. I love you because you were born into my family. You were a part of my family, so I love you. See, these three loves are all based around feeling. They're all based around feeling, all based around me loving you because I get something from it. Yeah? I think we can represent with those three types of love. Anyone? I, I understand that. I think we can understand love that comes from um, maybe a, a, you know, being attracted to someone in a relationship. We can understand love based on um, that of a friend. We can understand love based on our relationships in our families. See, the last word for love, and the, the love that's used most in the Bible, is a word called agape. Agape. And this love is completely different to the previous three. You see, like I said, eros isn't used really at all, but phileo and storge are used infrequently throughout the Bible, but agape is the main love we see in the Bible. When you see love in the Bible, especially when it's Jesus talking, a lot of the time he's referring to agape love. And agape love is less of a noun and more a verb. It's less talk and more action. Agape is I love you regardless of what you've done, who you are, where you've been. I love you anyway. Agape love is not just saying I love you. It's actually showing you that I love you. I choose to agape you. This is agape love. It's not based upon my feeling, but it's based upon a choice. I choose to agape you. Now, I find it really interesting as I've planned and prepared for this message because I looked at the way that love's presented to us in the media, in film, on TV. And my conclusion is this, that the main description of love that is presented to us in the media, in TV, in film, on the adverts, is eros love. 
Start to think about it. Begin to think about it now. Love based upon a relationship, but most of the time it's based on someone chasing a relationship regardless of their attachments, regardless of what they do. Something like a bugbear of mine is a lot of films really are breaking down marriage because they're fantasizing a relationship that's apart from, from marriage. They're fantasizing going away from your marriage relationship and chasing after something based upon a feeling. This is the love that's presented to us mainly in our media. Think about how things are sold. Eros love based around, well, we got our word erotic from this love. See, this is a love that is cheap, really. This is a love that's inferior, really. And this taints the way that people look for love. Now, we do see phileo love in films and, and media and stuff, and we do see storge, but we very rarely see agape love shown anywhere. So this way we love, the way love has been presented to us, has tainted the way we think about love, and it's tainted the way we look for love. So what we have is a generation of people, a group of people. And when I say a generation, I don't just mean my generation. I mean every generation represented here. We have a group of people looking for love in the completely wrong places. Because they're not looking for the love that the soul desires. They're looking for a love based on what they've seen. You see, our souls desire agape love. We were born to experience agape love. We want to be loved regardless of what we've done, regardless of where we've been. We want to be loved regardless of our performance or our circumstance. We just want to be loved. That's agape love. We want to be, we want to be loved regardless. And what people are chasing in the books, in the cinema, on films, people are chasing this eros love. So if people are looking for love, where will they go? Nightclub? Bar? Pub? Internet? See, people are chasing love. They're looking for it in the wrong places because the definition is wrong. See, what we need to present as a church is a different definition of love. Let's step back into John 13. John 13, 34 and 35 again. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Three guesses which love is being used here. Agape love. See, agape love is the love of God. It's the love of Jesus. It's the love Jesus displayed. The agape love is love no matter what you've done. Uh, I, I love you. No, it's love without limits. It's love that actually goes to the cross. Agape love is love that gets it done. Do you think the, def- the very definition of agape love in, in an example is when, uh, is when God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Because it didn't feel good. He didn't want to do it. But he did it anyway because he loves us. That's the definition. One of the verses I love in the Bible is found in Romans 5. And um, it says, Paul says this, he says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
That is agape love. Why we didn't care for him, why we weren't bothered about him, why you shunned him, why we pushed him away. He died for us. Agape love is not based on someone's response. It's not based on me liking somebody. It's not based on me being related to somebody. Agape love is based on a choice. Agape love is the love of God. See, I, I, I want to love this way. I want to love this way. God, uh, Jesus says here in this verse that we're, we find ourselves in, he, he says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Basically, as I have agape you, agape others. As I have loved you with open arms, as I have loved you without limits, as I have loved you without circumstance, as I, as I have loved you regardless of what it meant to me, it's your turn to love other people that way. Can you do this? See, we don't love just because, you know, we feel good. We love based upon what God did for us and how he loved us first. We love from that. See, we don't love to get God's love. That's just crazy. We love from God's love and from what he did for us. I find this last bit really interesting. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. How many times have we got this wrong in church? How many times have Christians messed this up? And I, I don't just mean, I don't mean arena, I mean the church at large, right? How many people do we know or how many times have we experienced spats in church where, where people are just banging people, where people are just trashing people, where people are just hurting people and there's actually no love there, it's more hate than love, where people are just pulling people down. Why would anyone want to be a part of that? I believe this is the reason that churches have closed all over the country, um, because there was no love involved. There was no love in community. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. I want to be part of an agape community. And a, a community that loves without limits, a community that honors each other, a community that lifts, a community that, that doesn't always look at the negative, a community that always looks to build, a community that always looks to, to push up, a community that always looks to promote others before I promote myself. This kind of community is rare. This kind of community is attractive. And this kind of community is what people are looking for. You see, the soul, like I said, the soul longs for agape love. And we get to show the world that in Mansfield. Maybe this is the reason at times our, our invites aren't so powerful. Is it because the way we're loving is maybe a bit out of check with how Jesus loved us and how Jesus told us to love? Maybe. See, it, it seems a bit weird that Jesus is a new command I give you. Love one another. If your definition of love is uh, eros, sturge, or phileo, you're going to get this very wrong because you'd be very right in saying you cannot love someone like that. You can't just make me love someone. You can't. You can't eros someone. You can't make someone eros someone. You can't make someone phileo someone. Or you can't make someone sturge someone because that's based on feeling. But because Jesus is talking about agape, that's a choice and that is something I choose to do. So yes, I can, Jesus can command us to say agape 
everyone. Hmm. I find this interesting. See, agape looks to lift. It looks to forgive. It doesn't concentrate on negatives. It has your back. It puts others first. If I'm being honest, I find this hard. Because really, I'm selfish. And I think if we were all honest, at times we can be selfish. Sometimes, is it hard to put others first? Is it hard to put yourself second? Is it hard to put other people's uh, motives and other people's uh, well-being before yours? Of course it is. And I honestly don't believe this is possible without living in relationship with God. This all stems from a relationship with God. See, if you're out of your Bible, if you're not in prayer, if you're not in communion with the Holy Spirit, then this is impossible, this agape love. It all comes from a healthy relationship with Him. It all comes from being, uh, in, Him being intricately involved in your life. It all comes from that, that quiet place we spoke about this morning, we heard uh, spoken about. That's where agape love comes from. See, I believe the strongest part of Jesus' ministry was not his healing, was not his preaching, was not his teaching, but I believe the strongest part of Jesus' ministry was his love. The way he loved. Everything flowed from that. Everything came from that. I believe this is the reason Jesus was so attractive. He never looked down on anyone. No matter who they were, no matter what the circumstance, Jesus gave them the time of day. Jesus loved people. Phil said it before um, about let the little children come to me. He loved everyone equally. And I find that amazing. I want to live this way in my life. I want to be like Jesus. I, I want to do this in my own life, in my own world. I want to do this. See, the context we find ourselves in here in John 13 is interesting. It's in, it's in Jesus' last days. And he's just washed the disciples' feet and he's demonstrated love himself. And we've not got time to jump into that tonight. But I find it so interesting that Jesus, he showed us what agape truly meant by getting down on his knees and washing his disciples' feet and showing them that even though, sure, he was the leader, even though, sure, he was the teacher, he still got down and served them and honoured them and put them before him even though it wasn't the nice thing to do. See, I think this is such a, an image of what we're to do for each other, for what we're to do for our communities. Wash the feet. They needed the feet washing, so Jesus washed the feet. What does your community need? What do those people around you need? How can you help people? How? See, Garpe starts in church, I believe. He's talking to the community of believers. He's talking to, to, to church, really. Agape starts in church, and it spills out into community. See, when people see what we have here, when people understand, see, see something different, when they see uh, people promoting each other, when they see people helping each other no matter what, when they see people who 
who shouldn't really be doing too well, but they're doing okay because the community's lifting them up. They'll see something that they've never seen before. I honestly believe that this here, that as Jesus said, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I believe this is our secret weapon in terms of winning people for Jesus. I believe that. Why was this, the first church so explosive in its growth? Why was it so contagious? Because they loved one another. Look at Acts 2.42. They ate with each other. They spent life with each other. They gave everything, uh, everything they had so that everyone was looked after. That's agape love. It doesn't feel good, but I give it anyway so that other people are doing are okay. That's agape love. I love anyway. The band are just going to come up as I, as I look to close. But my soul, I know it myself, my soul longs for agape love. My soul longs to be loved by something greater. My soul longs for something more. And I believe that same longing is in every single person in this room. I believe that same longing is in every single person in Mansfield, in this country. Because I believe we were made to experience this love. This higher love, this this greater love, this stronger love, this love of God. And we get a unique chance to show this love to the world. We get a unique opportunity to show this love to people. You say, Josh, how, how do we live in, in agape? I think it requires discipline. I think it requ- requires you to stop gossiping about people. Requires you to stop bringing people down. Requires you to, to maybe stop talking behind people's backs. It requires a strength. Because it's so easy sometimes to bring people down, isn't it? Because sometimes when we bring people down, it makes us feel bad. And I just think that's, that's uh, the condition of a, of a human, really. But I believe as we commit to speak well of people, I believe as we commit to, to love people, commit to help people, commit to put others before us, I believe the world will see something that they've never experienced before. And they'll want in. They'll want in. Because it's something so different. But you see, as I said before, the key to this is not going away and you trying to fill a a checklist out saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do the other. The key to this is being connected to Jesus. As you're connected to Jesus, he breaks your heart for what breaks his. You become like him. As you get in your Bible, as you talk to him in prayer, as you let his spirit speak to you, you change. And you'll find a God flowing from your life like never before. I want to test this out. I want to try this. I want to see how far the rabbit hole goes of agape love. I want to see what we can do as a community and see what really happens when people start to lay their agenda down and put the agenda of God first. I I believe that as we do that, we're going to see God do something so special in these places, so special in Mansfield, so special in Ilkeston because they have never experienced it before. But it requires a decision from you. It requires action from you. Will you lay yourself down and promote what God wants to do? Are you willing to die to yourself and and follow through on what God wants you to do? Are you willing to put others before yourself? Because that's the essence of what we're talking tonight. That's the essence of the Christian faith. I give myself away. I lay myself down to promote others.
We're going to sing this again in a second. My heart will sing that with a name. But before we do, I just wondered if you bow your head and close your, close your eyes.